This is a sermon from the Highlands Congregation of Park Church. We hope it helps you walk with the Lord and lead others to Christ. Learn more and find more resources at parkchurch.org. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 9, verses 18 to 34. Again, we're reading from Matthew 9, verses 18 to 34. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Hey, there we go. I was good when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hey, good morning. How are you? Come on, come on. I miss y'all. It's been a minute. I've been at our other congregation downtown. It's good to be back. It's good to see you all. Hey, for those who are new, my name is Miguel, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is a privilege and honor to stand before you today and present God's Word. Um, and so <clears throat> we're going to be dealing with a passage that in some ways, uh, I do think it can be difficult. We've seen it kind of abused in some unhealthy ways uh, when it comes to faith and healing, how our faith is connected to healing. So what I would love and would invite you to do is pray for us all, and I will pray for us as well, and we will go sit at the feet of our Father to hear what He has to say to us through His Word today when it comes to our faith and healing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Y'all know me. It's all right to talk. Come on, I'm sorry to talk. Let's, let's go before the Father. And just realize our God is real. He desires to hear from us.
So Father, we come now, not by our own strength or might, but by yours, God. And I pray, Father, that under the sound of my voice that that today people would experience your healing power. That people who have chronic pain, illness, diseases, Father, that they would be healed by you and those who are spiritually broken, emotionally broken, that need healing. I pray that you will heal, not because of me, but because your word is living and active. So for those who are here in person and, or those who are worshiped with us online in the home, I'm so glad that your Holy Spirit is not bound by space, but is able to reach all of us right where we're at. So God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And we all together say it. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> as you know, we continue through our Matthew series, and we're coming to the last part of this healing uh, uh, these healing sections that Matthew displays for us so far. We had uh, several of healings that took place on the front end of this passage, and, <clears throat> and now we have the last portion of it as he moves into talking and uh, moving forward with establishing Jesus as the Messiah here on earth. Now, what's fascinating about this passage is that we see here these four events, these four events, these four movements where Jesus is healing. He is displaying his power for those to know that he can heal and restore all of life. Now understand, when we talk about healing, when we speak of healing, or excuse me, with our faith in there, when it comes to that, there's two ditches that I want us to be aware of that sometimes we can either fall into. There's this one side of the dish that says, God doesn't heal anymore. You're like, hey, that's, that's foolishness. I've never seen him heal for me. I haven't seen for you. So, so there's this, this, this cynical side, this side, it doesn't happen. And that's not true. And then there's this other ditch of the side that says, well, if you have enough faith, you will be healed. And that's not, that's not true. They're saying if you give a little bit more and the reason why you didn't heal because your faith wasn't quite strong enough, that's not true. That's a ditch we want to avoid. And so what we're going to see in the text is that how do we walk this path of, path of life in the tension, not trying to fall in the ditch, knowing that our faith is connected to our healing. But hear me now. We're going to get into the passage because God will heal, but it will either be here on earth or in heaven. And so understand that Matthew is establishing to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited one that they've been wanting. And what you see is that God in flesh through Jesus, the revelation of God, who through Jesus, who cares and who can heal, not then but even now today. And so what we're going to see oh, in this passage, my purpose for today, this main part of the text and my purpose for us is to know that for those who are believers in Jesus, we can have renewed hope in Jesus because he has the power to heal and restore all of life. That which is physical and spiritual. And so we're going to make two observations through this passage here, through these 18 verses, two observations. One, a desperation 
Desperation draws you to God. And two, Jesus responds to the desperation. Des- one, the desperation draws you to God, and Jesus responds to that desperation. Let's look at the first observation, the desperation that draws you to God. Now, we see here in verse 18, where we have a ruler that comes to Jesus and kneels down and makes the request that his daughter is healed. Well, you say, well, how is that desperation here? Understand, I like what the Luke, the other synoptic gospels give a little bit more detail just uh, to this. Luke reminds us that this ruler name is Jairus, and he is an influential person that oversees or works in the synagogue. And so you have this man who, is a, who, who, who his other peers or counterparts are starting to be in opposition of who Jesus is, but yet we see him come and kneel down before the one who can heal. His posture is one of desperation. Now understand, this is fascinating here. Uh, it says that he knelt down, which because, again, you got to understand Matthew, he is showing us through the text how Jesus is the Messiah, the one they long for. So he knelt down in one of reverence and a posture to him. The other text says he fell down to the ground. Whatever the case may be, his posture was one of desperation. We even see how Matthew even continues to affirm the, the line of David and Jesus is the Messiah because the blind men, they recall, they, after they cry out, they, ask, they say, son of David. They use that language. Again, messianic language, terminologies to show that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. So what we have here is that he kneels down, he falls down in desperation to the one who can heal. That was his posture. That was his posture. He didn't care about what his peers thought. He didn't allow his position or his status to trump his desperation to go to the one who can heal. Understand, sometimes, and we're going to talk about this here. i got to do a little foreshadowing. That we're going to see sometimes people don't experience the healingness of God because there's not the desperation piece that draws them to God. But then we're also going to deal with what happens when you do are desperate, when you, or, or when you do have faith and he doesn't heal, when you want him to, or in the timely manner. We're going to deal with that. But what happens is that we suppress here. Sometimes we as people, what Jairus and what this woman of issue of blood models for us is that we ought not to suppress our desperation for the one who can heal. See, what happens is that oftentimes we suppress it because we curate our life and we care more about the status, more about the position of what we have built, and therefore we suppress the things that are broken spiritually, the marriages that are falling apart, the things that, need that, uh, that only God can heal, and or we even suppress the physicalness that we want to be healed, all because we are afraid of being weak and showing and being vulnerable in front of our people in the culture. So that keeps us from going for desperation because we care more about the life and the structure and the status of what we have. And if we fall out before Jesus in desperation, that would expose us. And those are some things that happen here with us. But we see the desperation of the woman with the issue of blood. 
Now hear me now, unpack this. We, this woman has an issue. She, her, her menstrual cycle here is constantly flowing for 12 years. 12 years. And again, Luke account gives a little bit more detail to this. And what I love about it, it says the text reminds us, and it says that um, she, she had this issue of blood. And, and it says, not only did she exhaust, and Luke says, she, she didn't have any more money. She went to every physician. She sought out everything for 12 years, and every doctor could not heal her. Hear me now. I'm not against medical professions. That's not what I'm saying. But what we do see is that sometimes God puts us into a position that we spend all that we have and where we now have, we only can return to him out of our desperation. But understand, what did that mean with her issue, her physical ailment? That means that she was socially outcast. Because if, if anyone touched her, she was considered ceremonial unclean. And if anyone touched her, they too would be unclean. So she couldn't worship like we worship. She had to live on the fringes of society because of her issue. But what I love about Luke, it says that the crowd, and it also, it doesn't give, but they were pressed upon Jesus. Here's this woman has the stigma of being unclean, socially outcast, probably have no more money, probably poor broke, no have community in no form or fashion. But yet as the crowd is pressed upon him, Jesus, the one who can heal, she makes her way to him in spite of what her condition meant to that society. She moves to the crowd. Can you see it? Where everyone's around him. And we've all done it. We've all been on a mission to get where we go and we're bumping into people and the crowd is thick and we get elbows in the chest, we step on shoes, we say excuse me because we're on a mission to try to get where we need to go. And this woman does the same thing. She reaches in the midst of the crowd out of desperation and says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you out of desperation, do not allow, don't let the, the, the culture, hear me now, this is real, the culture stigma that comes with certain conditions, right? You see here, this ruler didn't care what his peers thought, didn't care what, what was there. This woman didn't allow the stigma of her condition to keep her from there. The blind men that we will see, that we know that was healed, didn't allow the stigma that came that all oh, these people sin because of their condition. You do not allow the culture or the pressure of the culture of any kind to suppress your desperation for the one who can heal. Hear me now, because that's real. So how is our posture before one who can heal? Now, again, the desperation is all throughout the piece here. And what's fascinating even here is that we do a little foreshadow. Even the, the blind man, the blind men who were, they couldn't see yet. 
The stigma came with it that they sinned and yet they could not, they could not see, they were blind, but yet they were able to recognize who the Messiah was, who King Jesus was. And contrary to that, what's interesting is that the Pharisees, the religious folks who could see all things, yet still did not believe. So much so to say he's casting these demons out, he's doing this thing from the devil. But understand, we're going to see the response here. The response now. We talked about the desperation piece. Now we're going to move to the, uh, Jesus' response to the desperation. Look with me here to a couple of verses. Our eyes will wander a little bit through this text. We see Jesus respond to the desperation. We see here in verse 22 where Jesus turned, seeing her, the woman with the issue of blood. He says, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Instantly. The woman was made well. Notice here the language, take heart. We have a God that is compassionate. We have a God that is willing to engage in a compassionate woman who is socially outcast, considered unclean, and yet he has compassion to those who are marginalized. He models for how we ought to have compassion for that, for people. But we also see In verse 25, where right before Jesus moves out and puts out the people, the the, the professional mourners, he tells them, get out. The woman's not, the girl's not dead. She's sleeping. They laugh. And Jesus responds in verse 25. He says, and as the crowd got put out, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl rose. We see in verse 28, when the blind men entered the house, The blind men came to Jesus and said to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Then in 29, he says, then then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And even in verse 33, when they brought the demon-possessed man, it says, when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. What we see here." Is that, and it says that the, in that last part with the demon-possessed people, there was people that brought the spiritual broken man to God. So therefore, the faith of other people sometimes intercedes on behalf of us in order for us to experience some healing from God. Now, I got to make something very clear here. What's clear is that Jesus is connecting our faith to healing. And we see that in other places. But let's look at this. It's not just the faith to be healed. Well, I believe I'm going to be healed, so therefore I'm healed. That's not what he's getting at. What he's getting at is saying that the, the object of their faith is the one that is bringing the healing. So they believe in the one source of life that is able to heal. Make sense? You follow me? So it's not like, oh, I just, I want to have faith that I'm healed. No, that's not what he's getting at. He's saying, hey, because you have faith in the one, according to that, who can heal, therefore you are healed. You are believing that God can restore all that is broken in life. But I want to talk about some things real quick. I want us to see a few things about our King Jesus when it comes to healing here. One is that the scope of God's healing power has no boundaries. The scope of God's healing power has no boundaries. Well, where do you see that? We see that he raised the, one, the girl from, dead, from death. We see the physical issue. 
with the woman of the blood and the blind man. And then we see the spiritual aspect that the, uh, where the demon-possessed person is in a human being. There is no, God's healing power has no boundaries. So whatever is spiritually broken in your life, God can heal. Whatever emotionally is broken, God can restore. And hear me, whatever is physically broken, God can heal. And I'm going to unpack that here in a moment because he will heal either now or he will heal in heaven. We see that God's healing power does not discriminate. Understand you have the ruler who has influence, who has prominence, and yet you have the woman that has the issue of blood. Socially outcast, poor because she spent all that she had. God does not heal people based off their bank account. He doesn't decide to heal you based off the position that you or I hold in our jobs. That's not the God that we serve. No, his healing power does not discriminate. God's healing power is not limited. God's healing power is not limited. What do you mean? Well, understand that as Jesus was going, as he was moving, he was sitting down at the banquet talking about wineskins. Jairus comes up, the ruler, and asks for Jesus to heal his daughter because she is dead. And Jesus gets up and his disciples go. And as he is going, he heals the woman with the issue of blood along the way. And after he raised the girl from the dead, then he heals the blind man. And then he heals the spiritual of the demon possessed. What we see is that there's no limit to God's healing power. It's not like, oh, you missed out. He ran out. His limit healing power is on E. I need to go charge up for a minute, and then I'll be back. And then maybe if I come to you, you can get, no, we don't have a God like that. There is no, God's healing power is not limited. Hear me now. Jesus, here's another one, God, Jesus gets close to what is unclean and socially, socially unacceptable. To the woman that had the issue, the stigma of what that came and what that meant, and yet he moves toward, yet he embraces her, calls her daughter, and engages with her. Even so much so that when something was dead, when he went and healed the daughter that was dead, the ruler's daughter, anytime when someone touched something that was dead, they was considered unclean. And even though they were socially outcast, what we see is that we have a God that gets close to them. Let me tell you here today, do not think that whatever you're experiencing, God cannot heal. Do not think that whatever you're going through that God can't handle. Whatever the ugliness of what you're dealing with, don't think that he cannot get close to it because he does. What we see here is that sickness, disease, and even the spiritualness is all subjected to the authority and the power of Jesus here. There is no sickness, no disease, or any spiritual ailment that trumps God, especially in his presence. There is none. Now understand here, we're going we're gonna to shift gears here, we're going to park here for a moment. Because what we see here, this believing faith, Jesus says something. He says, your faith has made you well when he talked to the daughter. And then when he talked to the blind man, he said, according to your faith, may it be. 
Now, uh, let me unpack this here. According to your faith does not mean that it has to be your faith meter is this much. And so because it's this much, whatever you want to say it is, therefore I'm going to heal you. No, that's not what God is saying. That's an that's a, uh, improper interpretation of that. What he's saying is that according to your faith, according to the, uh, your faith in the one who can heal, mainly God, therefore you are healed. That's what he's getting at. So let me say this here. When people say you don't have enough faith, that is a lie from all get out. Hear me now. Because God doesn't say, well, you have this much faith, therefore I'm going to heal you. You didn't believe enough. That's, not, that's where the abusiveness of, this, of these passages come into play. Because here's the reality, and this is real. Some of you say, well, I have been desperate. I have postured myself before the Lord. I have faith in the one who can heal. I'm even doing what the doctor said to do. I believe I am desperate for what God can do. And there are people here right now that are dealing with physical, chronic pain, physical illness, diseases, Infertility. There are people in here right now that have wake up every day and is saying, oh, I do believe. I am desperate. And then he doesn't heal. Or you've interceded on the behalf of someone else who've had cancer, who has illness, who you know that is probably going to die and he did not heal. That's real, family. What do you do with that? And let me say this here. I got to park here. I got to understand. You got to understand this. That does not mean you're less than in the eyes of God. That does not mean that when God, when you see or hear about God healing someone physically here on earth, that doesn't mean that your faith was weak. That doesn't mean that they are better than you. Don't believe that. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy because he will have you believe that. What do you do? When you're pleading over your child, when you're pleading over a loved one, and then God doesn't do it. That's real here. I want to give you some hope. I want to give you hope, not in me, not because I say it, but give you hope in the one who answers all things. Because there's real life issues that we deal with here. See, here's the thing. God will answer your prayer. God will answer your prayer. The question is, when will he answer your prayer? Will he heal on earth? He will either heal on earth or he will heal in heaven. Now, hear me. That's a hard place to live in, especially when you love people. When you wake up every morning and your feet hit the ground and you know that you're going to be dealing with some physical ailments that's going to make it tough throughout the day. That's hard. Or you know that your loved one wakes up and they got to, here we go again. We got to get ready to go through what happens. But understand, God will heal either now here or in heaven. Understand, God's powers heal, excuse me, God's healing power comes at different times. We see the woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years, then she was healed. The ruler that went to, the, that went to Jesus 
Maybe a day's journey, he was in the village, maybe a couple of hours, I don't know, but she got healed pretty soon, it seems like. The men that were blind, they were born this way, yet it doesn't say how many years, but years of experiencing what they have gone through. What we know that God heals and comes at different times. Abraham, Sarah, who were barren, who were struggling with infertility, could not have a baby, and yet God says it will come. And let's just be honest, they got restless because it wasn't coming when they wanted to. It's real. But what we see that it did come. And what we know that God's healing does come. And let me also speak to how God does while he heals on earth, he will heal either instantly or sometimes it is progressively. Here's me what I'm saying. Sometimes instantly people are healed. There is a miraculous thing that the doctors cannot explain. You go, you find out there's a condition and then all of a sudden you're healed from it. But then there's some things that progressively get healed where God, where when you go to the medical professions and they prescribe you medicine, they prescribe you with exercises to do or here, let's do these things. And then slowly as you walk and do those things, you start to feel better. That is the common grace of God that gives the knowledge to those doctors to be able to prescribe medicine and things that we have. Understand, where do they get their source from? Where do they get their knowledge from? Ultimately, it comes from the one who knows all, which is God. So he does heal on earth. You can see either instantly or progressively. And I want you to understand, God is not holding out on you. He's not holding out on you. He's not saying, well, let me hold out on you because um, of a certain thing because you, you, you're not good enough. No, he's with you. He's ever present with you. And even if you have not been healed or haven't seen the one that you love healed here on earth, what we do know that healing will come in the resurrection. Not what I say, but according to his word. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 50 through 53, it talks about how the body is decaying. But yet we will have a new body when the perishable takes on the imperishable at the resurrection of our God. We see in James chapter 5 where it talks about that if you are sick, go to the elders so they can pray over you. And yes, you ought to do those things. You should do those things. But when it doesn't happen, understand here in the, in the verse of fifth, uh, James chapter 5 verse 15. <clears throat> It says, and the prayer of the faith will save, meaning it will either save the sick, those who are salvific, they will believe in who Jesus is, or probably save physically, healing here on earth. But then it goes on and says, and the Lord will raise, meaning the resurrection, him up. So at the resurrection of Jesus, there will be healing. We will have a glorified body. When you die here, your soul goes to be in the presence of the Lord. Yes, you're no longer feeling that pain, but the bodies that decaying, it will be a new body. There will be no disease in it because it's in the presence of the Lord for eternity. So I want to give you hope here. I want to give hope for those who have faith and who have been desperate for Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 9, when he's talked to his disciples, the disciples said, hey, who sinned, him or their parents? And Jesus says, neither did. Neither. Here's where the hope comes from. He says, Jesus says, but that the work meaning the glory of God might be displayed in him. So if God heals while on earth, if he heals in heaven, either or, it is the God's glory that is being displayed. But if he does not heal while on earth, get this, it is still God's glory being displayed daily through your faith. Well, you say, well, how do you say that? How does that work? Romans chapter 5 unpacks that a little bit. 
Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 3, and he says, not only that, but also boasting your afflictions. Wow. Boasting your afflictions? He's going to unpack it. Why? Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proving character. Proving character produces hope. And here's the shouting part. This hope will not disappoint. Why? Because God's love has been poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. Understand, even in our suffering, what God is doing through the Spirit is He is providing a fresh experience of His love for us and to us. So when you wake up with the ailments, with the chronic, as you've been going to doctors and getting disappointed results, time after time, when people ask you, how is it that you're doing it? You will say, it is nothing but the grace of God that is in me that keeps me going because one day they will be healed whether on earth or in heaven. And I want to say something here. I got to make this very clear. And this is the thing. When Jesus came, our great physician, as much as he can heal, one thing that Jesus places priority over is that he wants to heal the waywardness soul of a sinner more than he does the physical body. Because again, the Bible says, don't fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill the soul. And so it's important for us to understand that and know that. When, you, when he comes, he's, want us to, he's trying to heal us. We, although we experience that physical healing, when we see it, if we, when people that does, understand the glory of God is being displayed. And what that ought to do and what we've seen in the text, it points people to a salvific to believe in who Jesus is. Let me end with this before as we close our time. I'm going to read from you uh, a paragraph from Jonathan Evans who is the son of Dr. Tony Evans and Lois Evans. And if you follow church circles or whatever, Pastor Evans is a, 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 faithful, and done, a faithful pastor, done great things for the kingdom um, throughout of Texas. I, I kind of make the joke, I'm like, if I, I want my family to be like them. Kids love Jesus. They love Jesus, everything, right? And hear this, they had faith, they believed. But what happened was his mother, Dr. Evans' wife, died of cancer. So this is a conversation that he's giving out a eulogy, but a conversation that he has between God and himself on why his mother wasn't healed. And he reads and he says, you don't understand the nature of my victory. This is Jesus talking to John and he's saying, just because I did not answer your prayer your way does not mean I haven't already answered your prayer anyway. There was always only two answers to your prayers. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either she was going to be taken well care of or she was going to be well taken care of. Victory belongs to me because of what I have already done for you. The two answers to your prayers are yes and yes. Family of God, victory belongs to Jesus because he went to Calvary and did what you and I could never do. 
He went and took your sin and my sin and rose on the third day with power all in his hand. Therefore, we can experience healing here on earth or in heaven. Victory belongs to Jesus because many are the afflictions of the righteous one. But God's word says he will deliver them. He will heal them. Victory belongs to Jesus because weeping may endure for a night. You may be struggling and experiencing the illness for 40 years, 50 years, 70 years. But the text says, but joy comes in the morning. So therefore, what is 70 years in light of eternity to a God? Victory belongs to Jesus because he defeated death on the cross. But then 1 Corinthians chapter 15 lets us know in 26 that his last enemy he will destroy when there won't be no more is death. See, victory belongs to Jesus because there will be a day where he will wipe every tear from your eye. There will be a day where there will be no more mourning. There will be no more disappointing hospital visits. There will be no more hard nights. There'll be no more wheelchairs. There'll be no more IVs. There'll be no more crying and sleepless nights because we will be in a new heaven and a new earth. And therefore, victory belongs to him. And we have hope that is real because one day, family of God, he's coming and we will be able to celebrate and say, victory belongs to Jesus. Hear me now. Let us be a people that is desperate for our God, falls out for him, knowing that as we endure here on earth, that it proven our character, that it also pushes to a hope, one that comes from God, that he poured in us through the Holy Spirit. Let us be one that depends on him instead of our own human limitations. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that victory belongs to you. That victory is not left up to us because we will fail it. So Father, right now as people here are tired, they're tired, they're praying faithfully, they're desperately calling and, and it gets hard, but no, they can have hope because you say through your word, you will heal either here on earth or in heaven. And I'm so grateful you give us a glimpse of that through Jesus as he's healing people throughout the land, knowing that your word is active and living today, that you can still heal and resurrect that which is broken. So help us be dependent upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Find us with at Park Church Denver. Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.